we've, we've had this conversation recently about, you know, why COVID, you know, drives everybody crazy. And part of that is because when you go into isolation, you know, for a certain period of time, you go stir crazy. Well, the, the bigger question is, well, why is that? It's because God has designed us to be with other people. Some people, um, Rachel is a good example. So some people are like 99% extrovert. Yes, okay. So Rachel wants to be with people all of the time, right? She gets energy from that. Sam, on the other hand, would be not the opposite, but he gets um, energy being by himself. He loves being with people, but he's got to get back away by himself. So we all have different levels of how much we want to be around people, but the truth of the matter is, at some point in time, we do need to be around other individuals. Um, you know, we were talking um, the other night, um, trying to remember what the, what the conversation was, but we were thinking about, um, oh, what was the movie? Castaway. Yeah, so you remember on Castaway, so here's, you know, Tom Hanks, and he's out on the island, you know, by himself, and he literally created another individual to be with him on a volleyball, right? What was the, what was the name? Yeah, so it was Wilson. And when Wilson floated away, we almost cried, didn't we? It was a volleyball. But there was something about that. My only friend just floated away, and now I'm by myself. Um, Adam and Katie, we were at their house a couple of nights ago, and they were talking about the Alone series. You know, and you have people, in fact, a lot of you all are talking about the Alone series. I've noticed that. And I haven't, I've only seen one, one um, episode. But these, these people, they go out and they're ready to conquer the world. And then after 24 hours, some of them will like break down and cry and say, I have to get back home. Well, why is that? It's because we are designed to be in community. So we're talking about gospel community and not just community. So this has a little bit more purpose to it. So we all desire to be in community. You can be on a softball team. You can be a part of um, I don't know, the, the things that are happening like in Elizabeth right now, there's this Main Street initiative and it's a great thing that, that they're doing. That's a community within itself. You know, you've got, you know, different clubs that you can be a part of. You know, the, all of these communities are great, but what we're talking about today is what is a gospel-centered community? What does it look like when the people of God live in community with very specific purposes that go beyond just hanging out, having fun, and creating some community initiatives? So that's, that's the difference. Okay, so if you look at verses 41 through 47, and if you were to take your pencil and go through and circle them, you'll see 16 words that are related to community. Words like they, fellowship, together, all, language. So 16 times you're going to see some community uh, verbiage that's in there. And today we're only going to be looking at those first two verses. So before you can understand the first two verses, I actually need to go back. So if you have your Bibles with you, and if you don't, it's okay, just listen. But I'm going to read verses um, 36 through 40 in chapter 2, and it's leading into what we'll be discussing today. So 36 through 40 says this. This is Peter speaking. He's in the middle of this sermon. He says, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Wow, that was a pretty startling statement. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
for the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. Okay, this, this Jesus, this word that he you know, preached, you've, you've heard this word, Okay, now what are you going to do? And they, they, they hear the Word of God. Peter's preaching a sermon because the Holy Spirit has come down to them. And if I back up from that, Jesus says, I'm leaving. I'm going to die, but don't worry because I'm going to come back to you. And this is the moment he does so. So this is the Spirit of Christ. He comes to Peter. He anoints Peter. And Peter stands up in front of all these people and he preaches a sermon. And he says, you just killed God. And they're like, well, what should we do? Not all of them but a lot of them. And he says, you need to repent and then you need to be baptized to show that you're actually going to follow Jesus. That's the answer. Repent and be baptized. Receive the word, repent and be baptized. And then he adds about 3,000 souls in there. So this gospel, gospel conviction leads to a belief. So you hear the word of God and if you hear the Word of God, and if it doesn't cause you to say, oh, I'm the one. I'm the, it was my sin that put Christ you know, on the cross. I am the one that has sinned against Him. If you don't understand that part of it, then you're probably not truly repenting. Because repenting means you change your mind about something. You know, I thought Jesus was just a good person like many other prophets that, that have gone as well. But what you're saying is that Jesus is the Christ. He's the Son of the living God. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. And He came to give Himself for us. And the reason that He had to do so was because we have a sin. If you remember, you know, the, the O, oh, the obstacle of sin that separates from God. And He had to come and give Himself. And if we believe that, He died this perfect death because He was perfect and all of my sins would come upon him, and I would not have to be, um, you know, I would not have to pay the penalty for my sins. If I believe that, then what do I do? Well, you repent. You know, you repent, and you show that you repented by being baptized and becoming a lifetime Jesus follower. And I love this passage in 2 Corinthians 7:10. It says, For godly grief, when I grieve over my sin, when I recognize even on my best day, if I don't do outward sins, they're still in my heart and they're still in my mind. And I'm grieved over that. And this godly grief produces a repentance, a change of heart and a change of mind, which will then bring a change of actions, which leads to salvation. So back to the second part of verse number 41. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. How? What happened? Well, we talked about it earlier. It's the gospel. I have no ability to change your heart and to help you to see how sinful that your sin really is. Remember when we prayed for you know, Uganda and when we prayed for you know, Kenya that the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. And if you continue to live your, your life in your sin and you don't realize how sinful it is, then you've been blinded. Only the gospel. In fact, it says that it's the foolishness of what is preached that has the ability to save people. 
You know, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. There's no other name given under heaven by which men must be saved other than the name of Jesus. He's the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through Him. I'm just giving you the Word of God. I'm not making those words up. I'm just quoting Scripture to you. This is Jesus. He is the way. He's the truth and the life. And when you, when you see that and then understand that and then you have this conviction for your sin, that means that God is taking those scales off of your eyes. And then you have a choice. Am I going to follow Christ or am I going to reject Christ? That's what the gospel is. And these individuals, they just heard Peter preach a sermon and about 3,000 of those souls said, that's us. We're the guilty ones. Peter, what do we need to do? He says, repent. Repent and be baptized. And they did. And there were 3,000 souls that were added to the body of Christ on that day. And the point of all of this is that the power to save people rests on God and His gospel, which just means good news. It rests on Him, and it doesn't rest on you, and it doesn't rest on me. Now, kind of a sidetrack here. We are to be people that are discipling other people. I, I have no ability to use persuasive words to convince Frank that he needs to be a Jesus follower. I don't have the ability to do that. But I can slowly and methodically walk him through the gospel and just give scripture, you know? And, and you can do the same thing. That's the thing. You don't need a preacher to do that. Sometimes you just look at people and you just tell them your story of what God did in, in your life. You know, you, you share a, a simple scripture, John 3.16, and you try to explain to them what John 3.16 is all about. The point is, it's God who takes the scales off of their eyes. It's God who can help them to see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. That does not rest on you, and that does not rest upon me. Now, we have responsibility there, but we can't save people. Okay, So we want to be a church of disciples making the disciples, but we'll never do that if we're timid and afraid to say the name Jesus or to share our testimony with people. We won't do it. We're, we'll be timid because we, what we're thinking is, I don't know how to do that. It rests upon me. I have to have everything together. Start somewhere. Just be available. Just speak the name of Jesus. And in fact, instead of using the word Christian, just say, I'm a Jesus follower. Because that gets people's attention. Well, what does that mean exactly? And just do your level-headed best to try to explain that. We can train you how to use the Word of God, but it's the gospel that saves people is my point. It is not you that saves people. So we're talking about uh, community discipleship. And, and before we get to the community part, you see this progression. You've got gospel conviction, and that leads to belief. So when you believe, then what do you do? You repent. You think differently and you go a different way. You live your life differently, right? How do you show that you repented and are a Jesus follower? That's why we did the baptisms last week. You know, so when you're baptized, you're saying, I have died with Christ and I no longer live, but Jesus Christ now lives in me, Galatians 2.20, okay? You're saying that you, you, you're giving up your life. I was on the throne of my life and I am stepping aside from the throne of my life. I am dying to myself. This is not me talking. Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So I'm denying myself. I'm stepping aside from the throne and I'm putting Jesus on the throne of my life and I will now follow Jesus the rest of my days. 
So you're going under that cold, cold river water is a symbol showing that you have died and that now you have given your life to someone else. And then what do you do? Discipleship. It's Jesus' fellowship. That's what discipleship is. I will now um, be a disciple of Jesus. Well, what does that mean? I try to make it real simple. It means I will follow Jesus, I will worship Jesus, and I will obey Jesus the rest of my life. That's, that's it. And that's what we're trying to do. So the baptism is a part of that, but it's not the thing that saves you. It just shows that you have been saved. So now going back to our passage today, we're going to look at this word. This is your word for the day. If you're on Sesame Street, this is word for the day. Okay, your word for the day is devoted. Let me hear it. Devoted. Okay. And then the question of the day is, and you don't have to say this out loud, but what must we be devoted to at Redstone Church? So let's go back and let's look at verse number 42 again. Verse 42. And they devoted, there's that word, devoted to hold fast to, to persist obstinately in, to keep on, to be loyal to. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. I was on my way to uh, my daughter's volleyball game this um, past Thursday evening, I think. And we were driving in the car, and I was at a stoplight, and my phone, bloop, and it's Luke's mic. And Luke, you know, goes to church here. I don't know if he's in here or not. I have no idea. Oh, there's Luke. And um, Luke does our worship guide every week. And Luke does our table graphic. And I just, I was just having this moment. I said, oh, my gracious, this is amazing. And Cammie was like, what are you getting all excited about? I said, just our church. I said, we have people that are so devoted in our church. I said, when we do communion, it just shows up. I never talk to anybody. It just shows up. You know, when we you know, show up for worship, you know, every week, the chairs are out. And there's worship guides down. You know, the music team's ready, you know, and they're prepared. The weekly, you know, Larry Kimball does the weekly. And he just kind of does this thing. And there's got all these different people that are in the church. And I don't even know that I could tell you what everybody does. But they're so devoted in their fellowship of Jesus. And they understand what their role is in the church. And it just made me want to worship the Lord. Because they're devoted to it. They're committed, you know, to it. And that was an exciting thing for me. So the same word that's used here for devoted in the Greek is the same word that when you go to verse number 46 and it says that they were attending the temple on a regular basis, day to day, it's that same word. They were devoted to it. It's something that they were doing consistently. They were fully committed to it. So devoted to what? Well, he breaks that down and that's where we're spending the rest of our time today. Okay, He says, teaching the word devoted to teaching the Word, and I think that that's on Sundays, so we're, we're talking very specific on Sunday mornings right now, teaching the Word. It says the fellowship, not fellowshipping, but it says the fellowship, which I think denotes a very specific assembly of people. That's Redstone Church Elizabethan. Um, it, you know, the, the fellowship, that word actually means to share with someone in something. So I am sharing you know, with you all, this something, which is this church plant on the west side of Elizabeth and in Carter County. Devoted to, the third one he mentioned is the breaking of bread. So we, we usually do a communion on a weekly basis, and we haven't been because of COVID. But within communion, which I'll talk about, 
we see the gospel. And then the fourth one he says, and the prayers. The prayers seems to denote some very specific types of prayers. Maybe prayers for boldness. You know, maybe prayers for protection. Maybe prayers for our leaders. Maybe you know, prayers for you know, more workers or gospel growth. You know, but prayers need to be a part of what we're doing on Sunday morning. So the question that I looked at this week was, what do you do with 3,000 souls or seven souls or eight souls who've repented and they've been baptized as new Jesus followers? And what this passage does, taking us through community, it gives us just a quick overview. At a minimum, you need to be doing these four things, and here's why. So I'm going to hit on those, and then Sam's going to take it next week, and then he's going to look at, well, what does it look like on a day-to-day basis? Because you've you told us what Sunday mornings should look like, but what should it look like on Monday through Saturday? Okay, so one, two, three, four, and then we're going to wrap up. Here's the first one. Be devoted to the teachings. The apostles' teachings is what it says. The teaching of the Word of God within a gospel community. I used this passage a few weeks ago, but it's 2 Timothy 3.16 if you want to make a note of it. But 2 Timothy 3.16 tells us that all of Scripture is breathed out by God. People spoke as they were moved by God and they've given us the Holy Scriptures. I actually have a little pamphlet that I brought in this morning. It says, why should I trust the Bible? If you want to read one of those, I've got three of them there and I've got 17 more of them in my car. You know, but why do I trust the Bible? Um, it's, it's been breathed out by God and we believe that. And I am a firm believer and man, I could go on a rabbit trail right here, right now and spend the rest of my time and talk about how it was the Word of God that changed me, forever, forever changed me. And I cannot live my life without the Word of God every day because it has become oxygen to me. I know that the Bible is the Word of God. And if you don't know that, I encourage you and I challenge you to dig into it and I pray that you will see the same thing. So when we come together on a weekly basis, the teaching of the Word of God needs to be a central part of what we're doing. And I'm going to give you another passage. This is John 17, 17. Okay, so if you're taking notes, go back and look at this one. This is Jesus in his high priestly prayer. And in his high priestly prayer, he's actually praying for us. And he says, sanctify them, which I'll come back to, by the truth. And then he says, your word is truth. Sanctify them means to set them apart, to make them holy. Well, how are you going to do that? By your truth. So if you look at the logic behind what Jesus is praying is, if we truly want to be a separate people, if we want to be a different people, if we want to be a holy people that say no, uh, Titus 2, no to ungodliness and yes to righteousness, no to sin and yes to Jesus' fellowship, if we want to do that, we can't just shoot from the hip and try to figure that out as we go along. We need to know what the Word of God says, and we need the power of the Holy Spirit guiding us to be able to obey the Word of God. You cannot be a consistent Jesus follower and walk in victory if you're not in the Word of God. Highlight it, bold it, make the font bigger, you know, post it on your window, do whatever you have to or your mirror to be able to see it, but it's true. It's the truths of the Word of God that will challenge us. 2 Peter 1, 3 and following, another great passage. His divine power has given us what we need 
for life and for godliness. And it's through these great and precious promises that he's given to us. And if we understand these promises and if we believe these promises and live these promises out, it says that we will be able to participate in the divine nature. And at the end of that passage, it's saying, and if you do so, your, your, your sanctification will increase, your holiness will increase, and you'll see it in the way that you love people and te- you know, treat people and so on and so forth. And then it says, but if, it, if you don't see these things in your life, it says you're nearsighted and blind. You've forgotten. You've been cleansed from your past sins. This is why we come together on a weekly basis. We need to be reminded that the gospel is true and we have been cleansed from our past sins. There are people that are sitting here this morning that are struggling with specific sins. You've confessed the name of Jesus, you've repented of your sins, you've believed, you were baptized, and you're doing everything you can to be a Jesus follower, but there's this kink somewhere that has you giving in to this sin over and over and over. And when you do, oftentimes the guilt will take over and the Jesus fellowship is pushed to the side. I say it often because that's what Adam and Eve did. When they sinned, they went and they hid from God. And as long as you're running and you're hiding from God, you're not doing anything for the kingdom. And the enemy will keep you there for the rest of your life and you'll wake up one day and you'll be 75 years old and you'll say, I blew it. I had my whole life that I could have really made an impact in following Jesus. But this one sin, this one struggle kept me from doing it. And and, and the enemy just loves that. Okay, You don't have to stay there. And this is why we come together. Either Jesus died the perfect death to cover all of your past, present, and future sins, or else you've got to save yourself, and good luck with that. We can't save ourselves. That's why it's called good news. If the, good, if the gospel is not true, we eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die, because we have no hope. But the gospel is true, and He saved us from all of our sins. And we come together on a weekly basis, if nothing else, to be reminded of that glorious truth and let's give it away to each other and then let's go out and let's give it away to other people. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. The second one, he says, be devoted to the fellowship, a very specific gospel community. We see here that Jesus is growing his church just like he said he would. You know, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And gates are a defensive weapon or tool, by the way, not offensive. Think about that. The assimilation process that we have at um, Redstone Church Elizabethan is we want you to show up. So if you're like first time here, okay, well show up. Because I know it's a little weird, especially the first time you come in, because we're not doing a normal church. We're trying to grow in our fellowship of Jesus together. And we kind of do that out loud, which you'll definitely see at the end of the service. Um, so you come and you, you, know, you participate, you worship with us. And then if you're like, hey, I think I might want to you know, attend this church you know, regularly, then we have something that we call starting point. And we want you to come to starting point because starting point just kind of answers some basic questions of who we are and what we're trying to do. And then afterward, we want you to you know, continue to you know, get involved, you know, jump into a community group. And then the next step is actually a membership class, which we have next week, don't we? Yeah, next week at, a, at 2 o'clock at Upstairs at the Boys, no, not Boys and Girls Club, at the Coffee Company. There is no upstairs at the Boys and Girls Club. So we're having that next week, and then you become a member. So we are actually pushing for people to be devoted to this specific fellowship. We don't want you coming and visiting us for a while, and then going to Redeemer for a while, and then going to Grace Fellowship for a while, and then, you know, we just don't want that. 
So you need to find a fellowship, and we don't care which one it is as long as it's a Jesus fellowship fellowship. Say that five times real fast. And we want you to be committed to that fellowship and to stay in that fellowship and to worship Jesus in that fellowship. But those people that are a part of that fellowship, you need to live in community with them. So that's what we're pushing for. And I'm going to give you a couple of passages here. This first one, you can look it up. I'm not putting it up on the screen. It's Hebrews 10.25. And it says, not neglecting to meet together as some are in the habit of doing. You know, the writer of Hebrews, that we're actually not sure who wrote it, is, is saying, don't neglect meeting together on a weekly basis. Because some people are actually in the habit of doing it. You know, they bought a camper, and they find themselves just going camping every weekend, and they've kind of, yeah, it's just a weekend, and you know, weekdays are hard, so we just go camping every weekend, and we're sorry we haven't been a part of the fellowship. It's become a habit uh, of doing so. Or, man, I really love fishing. You know, where I've got Dollywood tickets, you know, or whatever, and we get into this habit of not being a part of the fellowship. And when that happens, there's a slow fade that'll take place because we need each other, and the body of Christ uh, needs us as well. So we are trying to get the body at Redstone Church Elizabethan to develop a habit of actually coming on a regular basis. When we take the Word of God on a weekly basis, which, by the way, doesn't just happen. I mean, there's a lot of reading and studying and praying that help us to determine what we need to give to this body. And when we do that, and we come on a Sunday morning, we love seeing what the Spirit of God does. But when we're not here, then we just miss out on that. So just telling you, we really are serious. We, we do want you to come, okay? And we're going to check on you And if you're not coming because we don't want to see that slow fade take place. Let me show you a couple graphs. So this is a Barna graph. And this, you, I know you can't see it, but I'll, I'll kind of walk you through it. And it shows weekly church attendance from 1993 until now. And in 1993, 45% of people attended church on a regular basis. Okay? In 2020, it is down to 29%. So three people out of 10 people that live in Carter County are attending church on a regular basis. That means that seven people out of ten people are not. The fields are ripe for harvest. Well, why is that? You know, I, ah, this is you know where we could really have a great discussion if I give you a microphone. Well, what happened? What happened from that 45 to that 29, that gap that's there? Was it just empty religion? Was it just tradition? Was it us saying one thing on a Sunday morning, but our Monday through Saturday looked completely different and it was repulsive to people? Is that what it was? It Was it us saying the name of Jesus and we worship Jesus, but the truth of the matter is we're still on the throne and we never were worshiping him? And people that were looking for truth said, I don't know what the truth is, but it's not that. I don't know. But there's been a, a decrease and church attendance. And church attendance is not the answer. The gospel is the answer. But when we understand the gospel, it should want us to come together. It should push us to come together on a regular basis to be reminded of the gospel, to be encouraged you know, in the gospel, and to encourage one another to go back out and reach that other 7 out of 10. The next graph shows elders. Is that me? I hope not. So elders, boomers, Gen X, and millennials. Okay, so from same from two, this is actually 2003 to 2020. So older people, people at least 54 and older. 
I'll just start there, okay. 51%. Um, boomers, 45%. Gen X, 34%, and millennials, 32%. And in 17 years, it's now down to 37, 32, 29, and 25. I've had conversations with millennials within the past couple of uh, months. And they're pushing hard this theology to me that you don't really need to be a part of a fellowship. And actually, you don't need to attend church to be a Christian. I'm like, okay, let's have that conversation. Let's have that discussion. Can you show me that in Scripture? Because it's a conversation worth having. And I know that the Scripture is going to win out. We don't neglect the assembly of ourselves together. You just go look at 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, and you see that it's one body, many parts, and the body works together. Everybody has specific parts. Or there's this passage in Hebrews 13, 17 that says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. And the point is that this verse speaks about a people that are devoted to a specific fellowship or the idea of obey your leaders and submit to them, it would make no sense. And what does it mean when it says they're keeping watch over your souls? How can they be keeping watch over your souls if they don't know you and walk with you if you're not a part of their fellowship? There's other verses that we could share. But the point is we do believe that being a member of a local body, when it says be devoted to the fellowship, that was a very specific assembly of believers. And we're, we're asking you to be devoted to that and to understand that. Let's continue. Two more to go over. Be devoted to the breaking of bread. Be devoted to the taking of communion within our gospel community to be reminded of the gospel. So commentators disagree here. Some people say, oh, this was actually talking about a meal. And then other com commentators say that this is actually talking about uh, communion. So I think that it's talking about communion. I land on that side. Sam's going to talk about, if you look further in the passage, it says, breaking bread in their homes, they receive their food with glad and generous hearts. You'll talk about that, I guess. Now, I've kind of told you, you probably need to, yeah, so now he has to, right? So Sam will probably talk about that. That's later in the passage, but I don't think that this is talking about we had a meal for 3,000 people every Sunday. I don't think that that's the case. You know, Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, remember, he, he gives communion. He explains what communion is. You know, and he says, you know, this is my body. It's given for you. This is the blood of the new covenant, you know, poured out for you. Every time you take this, do so in remembrance of me because the body and the blood of Christ reminds us of the gospel. Um, Acts 27 says, on the first day of the week when we were gathered together to break bread... That doesn't mean that I don't think that you have to. This only only time in, in Scripture that says that they broke bread on a weekly basis. I don't think that you have to do it on a weekly basis, but we like doing it on a weekly basis. Curse you, COVID. You know, we liked doing it on a weekly basis until COVID um, because we needed that reminder. So right now, we're going to do communion once a month. We're going to do it on the second Sunday of each month, which means we have communion next week which is exciting. And we're going to continue that until January. And then hopefully in January, we're going to start doing it on a weekly basis again. But we do it because it reminds us of gospel truths. 
it reminds us, yes, it's the, the body of Christ and it's the blood of Christ where I have all of my hope. And yes, I have sinned this week and I probably even sinned this morning, but I don't have to save myself because I believe the gospel. So I confess my sins, I partake of communion, and I walk out in victory. A lot of people don't come to church because they think that they have to get themselves cleaned up and start living right before they can make themselves presentable to the body. And Jesus says just the opposite. It's when we're broken. You know, it's not the righteous that I called. You know, it's the sinners. It's not the healthy person, but it's the sick, Jesus says. It's the people who already know that they're unrighteous and that they're sick and that they're in need of a physician and they're in need of a Savior. Those are the people you know, that uh, you know, really you know, should be you know, coming because this is where you'll find the gospel. But in the same way, some people won't take communion because they say, man, I've just had a bad week. I'm struggling. You know, I haven't read my Bible enough. You know, I haven't been praying enough. I haven't been a faithful witness. Well, that's the whole point of, of this gospel moment. We confess those sins. You know, we, we recalibrate ourselves back to the gospel and we are reminded of our, you know, that in this moment that Jesus has forgiven us for, for all those sins and then we, we partake and we praise Him and we worship Him and then we walk out of that church service calibrated, recalibrated back to the gospel and we live for Him that week. And then we mess up again that week. Then what? Well, guess what? We come back in again. As a body, we confess our sins one to another that we might be healed. We take our sins to the Lord. We remember the gospel truths, and then we go back out. It's a process. Philippians 1.6, we talked about it a lot in our last sermon series. He began a good work in us. He will carry it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It doesn't happen that once you become a Christian, all of your temptations go away. It's not that way. It is a process. I'm not the same person now at 53 than I was when I was saved at 22 or 21, whatever the age was. I'm not the same person. There has been progress. It's kind of looked weird along the way, you know, but I have grown in my sanctification. I've grown in my understanding of the things of God, and you will as well, but we don't run and hide. We take them back to the Lord on a weekly basis. And then the last thing to be devoted to was the prayers. Be devoted to praying regularly to God when we worship together within our gospel community. Jesus one time turned over the tables in the temple and he said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. Duly noted. We, we hear you, Jesus. It should be the same for us. And if you remember when we were in worship, the leg number two, and we talked about why do we read the Word of God? And why do we pray? It was a powerful morning. I remember that morning. I remember like confessions were coming out when we passed the microphone around. It's relationship. We don't read the Word of God to make us a religious people because these are the things that are expected of us to do. And we don't pray because, oh yes, I need to check that off of my list. I need to say a prayer before a meal, before I, you know, when I get up in the morning, and then when I go to bed at night, and whatever. That's checklist. No, it's a relationship. Jesus desires a relationship with us. We go to the Word of God to have a relationship with Him, and we go to prayer to have a relationship with Him. And if we come together on a Sunday morning, and we have good singing, and we have a giving moment, and a ministry moment, and we have a sermon, but we've not spent any time in relationship with the God who's called us, then we're really missing the point. It's good to encourage one another, but we're here 
to talk to God and to hear from God. And it is a challenging thought for me to think that he's asking me to be one individual that is opening up the word of God and helping you all to be able to see it. I say that as humbly as I can to say, if you're not praying for the leaders of your church on a regular basis, I implore for you to. We're coming before you to give you the word of God because it'll change you. And then when we go to the Lord in prayer, we want to do that, not because it's what we should do. It's a religious thing to do. It's because we want to commune with the God who has saved us. I think we've got a lot of room to grow in this particular area as, as pastor. I do. I think that when I see the prayers, what kinds of prayers? Is it prayers for His will to be done? Gospel boldness? Um, Julie brought a, a reminder to Sam and me a couple weeks ago. There's a persecuted church. There are, there are people right now that are being persecuted all over the world because they name the name of Jesus Christ. And I oftentimes want to get through a Sunday morning and kind of see everything go smoothly, and I completely forget about them. We can't forget about them. We need to make that a, one of our rhythms on a regular basis to see what countries are really needing to lift up, you know, for us to lift them up right now. What people are really being persecuted, and we need to pray not even so much for their deliverance, but that God would help them to be faithful and to endure the persecution for His name's sake. It's those kinds of things, but there were very specific prayers, the prayers that this church was committed to, that this fellowship was committed to, and that's something that we want to be committed to as well. Oops, did I lose it? I have no idea how that happened. That's okay. No, no, don't worry about it. We're done. So gospel, gospel-centered community, I'm going to go back and I'm going to look at the uh, definition again. This is actually our last slide. So gospel-centered community says, again, because our triune God eternally exists in community, He has created us to bear His image by also existing in harmonious community for purposes of worship, charity, accountability, gospel mission, and encouragement. Okay, So we see in this definition that our coming together with these four items, um, initiatives, getting under the Word of God, uh, committing to a specific fellowship for gospel mission and accountability and charity and encouragement, um, gospel reminders through communion, and then worshiping with our prayers, that these are the things that we need to be devoted to. So new church plant, we have not been around that long. We haven't been worshiping for a year. What do we need to be about? Well, we need to start here with these four things. And, and the point is that it's important for us as a gospel community to encourage each other to be devoted to these things as well. So if you are a community group leader, um, if you are an elder, um, you know, if you are in a discipleship relationship with someone and um, they don't show up to church on a Sunday morning, do you notice? Do you pay any attention? You know, are you encouraging the people that you're walking with? How's your time in the Word? Are they doing a CBR like our community Bible reading plan that some of us are doing together? Are you in a CBR group? We can help you with that. Or does anybody reading the Word with you on a regular basis? Well, why don't you jump in with us? Are we doing those kinds of things? Well, we need to. You know, one of the things, and I don't do it every week, and you know that I don't do it every week, but if people aren't here, 
every Sunday afternoon, I go home and I've got two lists. One of them is uh, membership uh, members, and the other one is regular attenders. And I go through and I scan and I look at all of the names. And just as in a prayerful way, just praying for the people and seeing what God is doing. But when people aren't here, and especially if they haven't been here for a couple of weeks, I'll just reach out to them. You know, I don't need to be doing that. You know, but we need to be doing that as community group leaders. We need to be a, a fellowship that knows each other. And it's the desire for this fellowship to actually, you know, Jesus, this is in your hands, but we don't want to be such a large fellowship. We want to be a fellowship where people know each other and we walk with each other and we do life together. And if the fellowship grows to the point that we can no longer do that, start another church somewhere else. Remember, seven out of ten people aren't in church, so it's not like that there's not enough, you know, enough, enough room in Carter County for another church. You know, But do we notice when people aren't a part of the fellowship and they're not devoted to it? We need to. We need to pay attention to that and we need to be willing to step into it. So I close with, with these words. Um, the Word of God is something that we desperately need. We need communion to remind us of the grandeur of the gospel. We need to pray regularly when we do assemble, and we need each other. And if you show, if you wake up on a Monday morning, and if you find that you're tired, have stomach issues, have more headaches, and just for whatever reason, you just don't have this desire to go to church on Sundays, then that ought to show you that this is a spiritual battle that we're in. Because why is it that that only happens on Sunday mornings? Right? Why is it that when I try to pray with, with my wife, that it's like, I want to do anything but that? Why is it that in the morning when it's time for me to read my Bible and do my devotions, I, I want to do anything but that? All I can think about is coffee. You know, or whatever. It's like I find my, you know, what, when, what, who won the ball game last night? Let's go scan ESPN. We find ourselves doing these things. And when we do that, we need to understand it's because there's a spiritual battle. And if we aren't under the teaching of the word, aren't regularly reminding ourselves of gospel truths, aren't committed to and regularly praying with a specific group of believers on, on a you know, regular basis, then we will have missed out on these primary tools that God wants to use to grow us as a fellowship. Believers living in gospel community with one another. So my question to myself is, how am I doing? How, how's my devotion? I won't go over the four again. You've heard them multiple times this morning. How are you doing? What are you devoted to? And where are you not devoted Let's spend a few minutes, and at Redstone, we'll, we'll just spend a few minutes talking to the Lord, taking it to the Lord in prayer, and then um, we'll open it up. See, what are you thinking? What are you feeling? What questions do you have? We'll try not to go too long, because I don't want to keep you guys here too long, but it is good for us as a body to grow together. So let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Father, take, take this moment of quiet. I've spoken a lot of words, Lord, so now just help us to be still and to hear from you.